You are listening to the podcast, To Be Single or Not To Be, by Shanna Montana. A podcast where we talk about the single life, dating, and relationships, so you can make a decision at the end of each episode and decide to be single or not to be. That is the final question. Today's topic is relationship gridlock. We're stuck and we want to move forward. And I'm really doing this episode. It it was inspired by a friend. Um, I have some friends that are married, some are single, some in relationships. And um, I would say a few friends, just in case somebody's listening and try to put context clues together. Um, I have a few friends that, you know, I'm privileged that they do share relationship things with me because they know it's a safe space. And so in thinking about a conversation I've had with some friends, I've seen situations where people, you know, sometimes people get to a place where they're done with the relationship. They're like, Shana, there is no fixing it. We need to go left, right, never see each other again. And then sometimes you have situations where they're like, we are really just stuck, but we really want to keep moving forward together. And they don't really know exactly how they should maneuver that. So that was the main reason that this topic was um, inspired. But the other side of that is I think many times because on this podcast people know I am an advocate of breaking up if if that's what you think that you need to do I am saying break up but I'm not an advocate of all that's not always the answer you know and so I think it's necessary for people to really be able to step back take a couple steps back sometimes and really evaluate their situation and see okay if we can move forward is there a way for me to move forward and sometimes that piece is just knowledge and education and so today I want it to be just a tool and resource for people to have a little bit of education to help them aid in their decision on if they want to take a step back and stay together or if they want to take a step back and break up and if you want to stay together I think this episode will definitely give you some insight and add some value to your situation so you can make the best decision for yourself. And that said, I wanted to bring in two amazing guests who I know could add some value to the conversation and some great perspectives. So at first we have Miss Diamond, if you could please tell the people who you are. Yes. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Diamond. As Shayna already said, I am a licensed professional counselor. I am, I'm going to bring, I guess, married perspective to this um, episode. Um, so yeah, that's me. I think that's it. That's all you want, right? Uh, whatever you want to tell. We're glad to have you, Diamond. And Ms. Mariam, if you could please tell the people who you are. So good afternoon or good evening, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, my name is Mariam Abdallah, and I'm a licensed master social worker currently working as a um, therapist and I see individuals, couples and families. And so do a lot of work around couples trying to figure out if they want to stay together or if they want to separate or if they want to divorce or stay married. So um, yeah, I actually do a lot of work around that. As a consultant, I work with um, helping professionals or really all professionals and employers um, around a healthy um, Um, workspace. So mental health in the workspace. And then just as a human, I love to just educate and share resources and tools on bettering ourselves um, to be better individuals. So that's me. Yes. Yes. And I love it. We have both perspectives here. We can speak from both sides of the coin. But before we get into the topic, this is a question I like to ask all my guests that come on. If you could think about it on a scale of one to five, 
five being the best that it's ever been. How is your love life right now? This is a relationship podcast, so I have to ask. And whoever wants to go first, Kate. <laughs> um, I can go. I would say so. I'm married. I've been married. It'll be um, 15 years. Right. Um, we've been together 15 years, I should say. Um, married 10 years this year, and so I would say we're probably at a. I would say a 4.5. There's always room for improvement. And you know, just because I'm a therapist, we're <laughs> always doing therapy. So that helps um, because we are absolutely in need of that sometimes. And so, yeah, um, but I would say we're in a good space in our um, marriage. And so, yeah, 4.5. To hear it, love to hear it. And Diamond, what about you? Yes, I love that. Um, I would definitely say a four. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be real. Uh, I think Mariam definitely talked about the room for growth. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I are definitely transparent on communicating our needs for growth. Mm -hmm. So I would say we good, but we can we can be better. Um, and that's okay. But yeah, we've been married for, we just celebrated our first year anniversary this past November. Mm -hmm. And we've been together, it'll be eight years in August. So um, definitely still learning each other, still fresh. I think just because you've been together for so long, or you've, you know, been in this marriage doesn't mean that you don't have a space where you can continue to grow, learn and understand each other. So I'm a four. Absolutely. I love it. And look, you said in November was one year. You're going to look up. It's going to be two. That's how fast the time is flying by. Like yeah. Really running past us. So thank you, ladies, for sharing that. And we are going to dig into this topic now. So sometimes I like to start at a baseline for the listeners, um, because we may say relationship gridlock. And they're like, what is that? You know, so I want to ask the question, put it out there to you guys, or you can give the I guess the, the textbook answer, what does it mean to be in relationship gridlock? Mariam, you want to go first? You want me to go? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely. I think being in relationship gridlock is being in a space where you're, you're stuck. You're like really just at a place where you're digging your heels down in the ground and you cannot figure out how to maneuver. Like, you know, you have the tools to be able to, to go, but you don't know, like, what am I supposed to do or how to utilize these tools? I know that they're in my toolbox, but I don't know how to pull them out. I don't know what I should do with them. Yeah. Looking at them, recognizing them. So yeah, I definitely think relationship gridlock is just being stuck and just sticking those heels down in the ground, knowing you have the resources, but not knowing how to actually apply them to your relationship. That reminded me of like quicksand. As you were talking, I was sitting there thinking like, and you trying to get out. It's like, quick, I want to come back up there. I want to yeah. get, I just cannot get my foot in. Mariam, would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of what Diamond just said. Um, I would just add to that um, from the psychological standpoint, gridlock kind of falls in a stage. There are stages to relationships. Mm -hmm. And so about that, probably second to third stage. So after reality sets in, cause you know, first stage is honeymoon. We're all good. Everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> we don't argue. We don't do anything um, that makes us unhappy, but then reality sets in. And then you start to get to that gridlock phase where there's power struggles because then people start showing up. You feel more comfortable to say, Hey, mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Hey, I don't like that. 
hey, this is not how I want to be doing this. And so, yeah, you start butting heads, you start having that conflict um, that you didn't have previously. And so then you're kind of at a standstill to say what Diamond was just saying, you know, is this a relationship I want to be in? Do I want to move forward? Or do I want to call it quits now? Or do I just sit here and ignore it and act like nothing's going on? Right. And so that's where gridlock kind of, that's how it's formed. And that's what it starts to look like in relationship. Yeah. Just yes. a question. You know, you have some people who may meet somebody really soon. You know, you hear the stories. We met and we were married in three months, six months, less than a year. You know, and they, we've been married for 25 years. I'm like, yeah. So those people, I guess, turn your ears off. But for this question, I'm about to ask, <laughs> for, do you think that sometimes this can happen when people move too fast in a relationship? Because you talked about the different phases, which are very true. You know, the first, you know, I'll even say three to six months. That's when you have the emoji hearts in your eyes. Nobody can do any wrong. You're so in love or in lust, whatever you want to call it. And then all of that, you know, the, the curtains close, the spotlight fades. And you're like, ah, this is who you really are. You Not that, that it wasn't there, but you just didn't see it because you were on this high. And so do you think that a, a couple may be more prone to land in a space of relationship gridlock if they move too fast in the beginning? Mm. Yeah, I would say that actually everybody will end up in a relationship gridlock, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so it's if you are moving, it is, you know, that is a little fast because you 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 definitely do not know the person fully enough to say that um, that you want to be committed forever. But you can. That's your choice. Right. But every relationship, no matter if you've been together, you know, a short period of time, if you've been together to 25 years, you have hit that gridlock somewhere. You right. just if you're together 25 years, you decided to stick it out and work it out. Um, if you were at your second year or so and you're not together, it, it didn't work or you decided for it not to work or not move forward. But all relationships and that's um, romantic, professional friendships, every relationship that we have will go through these type of phases. And so real life will just be one of them um, that we that's that's my thoughts. Um, and that's, that's very eye opening because, you know, we tend to categorize you know, well, it's, it happens to you or that just happened to you. That's not going to happen to me. But when, as you said that, and I quickly reflected over the different relationships I've had, just really romantic right now, um, I definitely got into that space and I didn't realize that it was applicable to myself. So I think that for any listener, whether you're in the happiest space you've ever been or not, this is something you can listen to and learn from so that if you have hit it, you'll know how to navigate it if you encounter it again, or if you are in it, of course, you'll know what to do from here. So that was a great perspective to add. Now I want to say this researcher, John Gottman, for people that are not familiar, he is, um, they have a great institute, the Gottman Institute, all love and relationships. I follow their page on Instagram. I live and by, die by some of the stuff that um, they put out there. So John Gottman, if you guys want to look him up, he's a great resource for love and relationships. But he states that gridlocks are perpetual disagree disagreements where over time, each partner digs into their positions more and more, kind of like I'm going to stand my ground on how I feel. And he points out four characteristics of gridlock that I want to dive into. So we'll kind of go into them. And I want to ask what's you all's perspective on these things. So the first one, he says that partners have the same argument over and over with no resolution. And I'm sure we've all been there. I know somebody who has. So what I want, the question I want to pose is why is conflict resolution such a struggle for so many people? Because personally, I know people that they live and die to argue. That's their, their deal. I'm going to argue you down and I got to win. Or I know people that um, they are so quote unquote proud that they will 
you know, bite their tongue off before they apologize. And then you have other people who, you know, we're going to agree to disagree, which I'm never a fan of that because I'm like, how are we going to be, be disagreeing, agree to disagree on everything if that's, <laughs> if that's the approach? Because we can always see two different things, you know, so you have these different categories of people that they sit in conflict in there. I wouldn't say they're OK on the outside looking in. It looks like they're OK with it, but internally, it's no way long term. I wouldn't want anybody to be OK with that kind of conflict. So I'm going to go back and ask, you know, why is it such a struggle for people when it comes to handling conflict? Yeah, I, I think it's because the lack of the skills. I, I go back to that, like, and as a clinician, like as a therapist, we're always helping our clients have some skills, some tools around resolving something such as conflict. Like immediately when, when couples come into my office, I'm like, all right, let's look at fair fighting rules. Let's look at how we're doing something to be able to resolve this conflict. What are we fighting about? Because we could be conflicted and we don't even know what we're, what we're having this disagreement about. Mm -hmm. So being able to have like some awareness of some good, healthy conflict resolution skills. And I think people are in that space because they lack that. That. just like they lack communication we, in any relationship communication is a key and so we don't have the skills or the tools to be able to resolve that conflict like you said when you think about like what relationship gridlock is it's really just kind of like standing your ground being proud not wanting to be wrong having to be right because you feel like conflict is like people feel like conflict is like always uneasy or it's something that you have to it's okay to have a little conflict we just gotta know how to resolve it <laughs> so I think it's really just like anything when people have they lack communication skills they lack conflict skills so being able to know what to do with that conflict know that it's okay to to disagree but be able to say well where do we fall short or where do we need to understand each other I think that's a huge thing when it comes to conflict people are not trying to understand one another they're just trying to again be right be the best man at it or whatever that may look like and so I think that's where people fall short with the conflict resolution definitely that be right the best man so does it look like from there if you are encountering these issues do you have to have a desire would you say like to go to get therapy to figure it out like so if we're lacking the skills that came from that might be childhood a lot of times nobody taught us um we've never seen it we we emulate what we see on tv or social media so if you are in that space you realize like i don't i don't know what i'm doing what's the next step to try to do better yeah, I would just what Diamond was talking about, reach out to a mental health professional that, you know, specializes in um, couples and relationship work to learn some of those skills. Um, but then also, even kind of before you do that, I think, I think, well, I know from what I share and even with my own self is that everything in this life starts with us. Mm -hmm. And so really taking a... Um, uh, a deep dive into who you are before you even get into a relationship is the first thing. Now, unfortunately, many of us didn't do that, you know, especially if you, you know, in your twenties, um, you, most people have not been, you know, looking at themselves and they may end up in a relationship and even in marriages. And so as you get into your marriage, then you start to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. And so your values, your opinion, your feedback, all of that changes. And then your spouse is like, well, wait, that's not what you you know, that's not who you were 10 years ago. No, it's not. And I've changed. And maybe I didn't come in knowing, 
you know, who I fully was um, in that relationship. And so I think learning the skills to learn self-awareness so that when you come into the relationship, you will have better tools to manage your um, communication skills and your emotions. But if you don't, like Diamond said, you can definitely reach out and get support in learning um, couples work and how to fight fair. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so important, that keyword you said about self-awareness. And that's something I've been hearing more. I feel like that might be a buzzword later on this year. Because, you know, a lot of times things that are just facts, you know, I think last year narcissist was the buzzword, but people really are walking around with those traits. Um, but I've just been hearing more about self-awareness. And I think that's a super important word to point out because more people have to, I think, be honest with themselves and hold themselves accountable to say like, you know, what role am I really playing in this? What am I doing to really... Um, push this forward as a negative agenda or push it forward for us both to do better. So self-awareness is going to be key in that because without it, you probably won't acknowledge that you've done anything wrong. It'll just stay on your partner and you'll really stand your ground in that gridlock. So that was super, I really love that. And so the next thing John Gottman says is neither can employ humor, empathy, or affection when addressing the issue. And that was something I really looked at twice because I know I've been in situations in my, in, in my situations, the relationship was dead, dead as, dead as a doorknob. And it was time to <laughs> just really, it was time to go. Cause I like to laugh. I like to have fun. So what I won't even, I won't laugh at a joke. You send me a funny meme. I'm like, that ain't funny. I have no empathy. <laughs> I don't want no affection. None of that when addressing, or even if it's an issue and they try to come in and in a healthy space, you know, I'm all about lightening the mood with a joke or something, even when I don't want to laugh. But he says, you know, when they get to this place, that's another sign of relationship gridlock. So I pose the question, has someone completely disconnected from the relationship if they make it to that space? Absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't even think anybody needs to think twice about that. Like when you find yourself, because what I hear is like you essentially, you're changing. So when you find yourself no longer getting to be like that human person you can't laugh at something you can't have empathy for that person you really need to reevaluate what's happening within yourself and within that relationship so I think you definitely um, have disconnected you checked out you need to like look within yourself individually and go into that like relationship space like is this something that we can reconnect because I think it's you know when you just think of something as simple as a plug coming out of the, the wall or whatever the case may be. What do you do? You, you plug it back in. You have the awareness of what you're supposed to do. But in the relationship, if you're disconnected in that way, you have to say, is there something that I can initially kind of plug back in? Or is this something that needs to just kind of stay unplugged because there's a power outage there. So we're going to blow a fuse. It's not going to be healthy for us because I find myself changing. So absolutely. I love it. <laughs> That yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely um, checked out. But I would say one thing that all of us do this and most of the time it's going to be a defense mechanism. And so it's easier for me to check out, disassociate with what's going on in my relationship mm -hmm. um, because it just it makes me feel better. I don't want to deal with, oh, this is bad. This is not working. We need to address it. And especially if you've done what you just um, talked about in the um, first um, piece of that is that we're doing this over and over again. We're talking about the same things over and over again. So it gets tiring. So you're like, I'm just going to ignore it, put my wall up and I'll be okay over here in my own space. And then you look up and you feel like you're just coexisting. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely because it can become exhausting i've sat in spaces where you know the relationship gridlock was real and it really was a space of me being exhausted and i was just tired of fighting the good fight and so it really took me you know being with someone one that i felt was valuable enough for me to try to fight through it because if not i would have either just sat there long past the expiration date and been like i'm just gonna let it die out on its own or you know would have made a decision to leave at some point but probably would have still stayed a little bit longer but i think when i go back to those moments of where i was exhausted and I didn't want to employ the humor or the empathy or affection if I felt like the person was worth it, had to take a step back and say, okay, let me look at the long and short of it. Let me look at, you know, why I'm here. Let me, in, you know, employ some self-awareness and then make a different decision. So I think people have to really, in these situations, you have to do a lot of reflection on like what's really happening and what do you really want and how do you really want to move forward? So mm -hmm. the next thing would be, he said issues become more and more polarizing over time. And I think that's kind of self-explanatory because if you don't uh, address them, they're only going to continue to grow. And then the final one, he states compromise seems doing so would mean giving up something important and central to your values or beliefs. So what does that mean to you guys? Because I looked at that two ways. I looked at, you know, compromise could be me just feeling like what I want to do personally is more important than a relationship. Or it could be that um, maybe an idea or something that I feel like uh, something I hold true to. I want to, you know, and I think later on in the episode, I have this down to look at maybe something that um, I want to do in my life. Like say, say, you know, so right now me being 37, I want to go back to nursing school at 37. Not unheard of, but me, just me personally, I ain't going to nursing school at 37 because I know the hats off to the nurses of America. It is a hard, it's a job. And in school, it's really tough. You hear about mm -hmm. how hard it is to get a nursing degree. So I know at my age, it would be a challenge for me personally. Listeners, me, I'm talking about Shane. Like, so <laughs> if, if I went back, I could say like, oh, well, this is what I want to do. Knowing that if I want to go to nursing school right now, I can't work. All my time and dedication really is going to be dedicated to that. I have to go to clinicals. It's a lot of things. If you think about when you're like an undergrad age, you're dedicated to just school versus yeah. right now with real life, you're dedicated to a lot of things, especially in a relationship. So that would be really tough. So I look at, you know, with what he's saying, again, compromise seems doing so. I mean, giving up something important and central to your values or beliefs. Is this more so me just being selfish? Like, oh, I just I always think that what I want is most important. Or is he more so referring to like you wanting to accomplish a bigger dream and you're placing that at a higher importance than a relationship? Mm -hmm. so it's like, like a small and big scale. Yeah. I think it could be a little of both. Okay. Um, because in relationship, there has to be compromise and sacrifice. Yes, and yes. so I think, I think with sacrifice, I know for me and my relationship, um, sacrifice has been big. And sometimes at times I have felt that I sacrificed a little more than my partner. Okay. And so in those times, you know, there was issues because I'm walking around mad or resentful. Right. Because they're maybe doing things and I'm like, I'm over here feeling like I sacrificed this and you're taking it for granted or whatever. Right. And so I think um, I think he may be alluding to both. So, yeah, giving up something for your relationship and then maybe not getting in anything in return or not wanting to give up anything like, hey, I want to go to nursing school. I'm going to nursing school. So. That's probably going to be the end of this relationship because I'm not going to make time. I'm not going to compromise and find the time to keep it alive. Right, mm -hmm. right. Would you agree with that, Diamond? I definitely agree with that. And I think like when you shared your example of like wanting to go to nursing school, but then kind of like 
if you were in that relationship, what would that compromise look like? You know, some people can start off and say, okay, I can compromise with this or I can, I can sacrifice this. I'm cool with you going to nursing school. You know, we can stick it out. And then when we get in it, we're like, oh, wait a minute. I thought I could sacrifice this. I thought I could comp- like, you know, have some compromise around that. And people don't realize the skill set that they may or may not have when it comes to those sacrifices. So I think maybe, you know, holding that space for, I think Shana, you talked about being like equally yoked a lot. And so having that space with someone who is equally yoked and you have that awareness of like, you know, I can sacrifice this for a little bit of time in this relationship for that greater reward, whether it's for myself or for my partner, I'm cool with that. And people can talk a good game in the beginning. And then when they get into it, they may not be so equally yoked with that sacrifice or with that compromise. So I definitely agree for sure. And I hadn't even thought about it that way. We do talk a lot about being equally yoked, but you may not be equally yoked with with how you compromise and what you're willing to sacrifice. And I think that's something that listeners really need to pay attention to because so many times I think you, for me, like you can go through relationships for like a little while in the beginning where you're kind of doing your own dance, you're flowing together, but you hit some point where it's like, "Mm, they got to be some give and take. And for some of us, you know, if you haven't had to do that in a while, say you've been single for a while, just got a relationship, whatever the case may be, you may be in a seat like, hmm, because I always say, have the notion of like, with me, I've lived alone, like by myself for a long time. And so I know, Mm -hmm. you know, going forward as I get married or serious relationship and I have to win that person have to cohabitate, it's like, hmm, you really got to be able to adapt to certain things. You know, I, I start, I think my friend said the other day, the older I get, the more I feel like Whoopi Goldberg. And what Whoopi Goldberg said, if y'all didn't hear, she said the reason she is not married because she said, I don't want nobody in my house. So <laughs> <laughs> look, that's real. That you gotta, is real. Look, they might want your side of the bed. They might want where your toothbrush goes. They might not even use the same toothpaste you use. Right. They don't know how to put the toilet paper roll the right way because there is a certain way you're supposed to put the toilet paper roll. Little things that we have to think about. I'm like, that's my my one compromise. We got to have our own bathrooms. I don't care what it costs. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked this now. We talked earlier um, about relationship gridlock and it's kind of inevitable that everyone at some point um, will get there and may get there more than once. So I want to ask, how do people normally wind up in that space? I know time is a factor, but is it things that we aren't doing? Do we come in being selfish? Is there a lack of vision? You know, in you all's opinion, how do people normally land in those spaces? Or maybe in your professional opinion, when you see those clients, what has brought them to those spaces? Yeah, yeah, I I definitely think past experiences, past trauma, past relationships, not doing your own work. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely, I'm a huge believer in you are always evolving and always doing your work as you grow, as you mature, as you get older. But I definitely think when you come in with so much heavy baggage and so much that you're carrying, then that's going to just fall into that relationship. So not with into the relationship gridlock, not willing to compromise, still holding on to what John did to you and Jane did to you. And you forget that you with Jack and and Jesse now. So it's like, you have to be able to have that self-awareness and being able to say, 
I'm holding to, holding on to a lot of past stuff that's really affecting my present relationship and I cannot move for, further. Like, you know, the time is a part of it and I'm not being honest with all of the things that I've carried from my past into this current relationship. So definitely having some of that past stuff will definitely bring you to that relationship gridlock for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that and would add, um, I think maybe in the foundation of relationships, which is the very beginning, mm -hmm. sometimes we miss some of those pieces, like you were saying earlier, Shana, that we skip and we jump ahead and we, we do things kind of out of order. And so building that friendship, that true friendship, and really talking. So going beyond how are you, where do you work, what's the weather? But really, you know, what do you want in life? What are your dreams? What are, you know, what do you aspire to do? What do you, what does family look like to you? What's your, what are your values? You know, what are your beliefs around this? All of that on the front end, like out the gate, um, I tell my couples, you know, to start asking these questions. They was like on the first date. Yeah. What else you going to talk about on the first date? It doesn't need to be a second date if you didn't right. get some of those answers Hello. and so you're wasting yeah you're wasting your time if you're just chatting about I don't know what they chat about luckily I've been out of that space for a while but the <laughs> things that I pets? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah so really build that foundation in the beginning and again you will get to that phase anyway but when you get there it will be a little easier to maneuver because you kind of have that base you have that foundation you're open you feel comfortable safe protected vulnerable all of that and right. it makes it easier to move through i agree with that and i think something else people need to do in that foundation i always say to you know write it down and make it plain really write out when i think about the aspect and i've spoke to this before you know mentally physically emotionally spiritually financially you know when you make those categories really sit down and write out what exactly you want in those things because you may find yourself sitting there with a blank piece of paper for a little while because you really hadn't thought about it because mm -hmm. i always tell people you know of course finances is always a hot topic you may say mm -hmm. i want a person that makes a certain amount of money so we can sustain sustain a certain lifestyle Okay, you may get that man that makes or that woman that makes a certain amount of money, but they are terrible with money management. And I talked about it before I said we had an episode on creating your own love language. And one of mine I created was financial stability. And I was like, I'm not talking about how much money comes in. I'm talking about what he does when he gets that money. I want to know that I'm not going to be in a situation where one day I wake up and the sheriff at the door because, you know, the checks been counting <laughs> X, Y, Z, or you got a bad gambling secret gambling habit, you putting money on yeah. books, you got all this stuff going on. So I think it's important for people to recognize because even I think back when I, and I constantly kind of go to the list of what I want my partner to be long-term and I'm constantly adding things as I think about it. I feel like as I grow in certain areas, I want that growth in my partner. It's certain yeah. beliefs I have. I've gone to certain journals because I have a million laying around where I've written out things. I went back and scratched that out. Like, I don't believe that anymore. You know, yeah. so it's like you have to constantly evaluate that. And I think people don't take enough time to do that because I've also seen on, on online people to say, okay, so if God presented that quote unquote perfect person or your person to you right now, are you really ready? And for a lot of people, honestly, they are not because they have not put in the work for themselves or in the foundation of relationships. And that also leads me to think about, I've had experiences, positive ones in relationships where 
myself and the other person made a decision because, you know, I think another part of that is you have to make sure you are aligned with the person and know, okay, we're serious about what, about dating. What we both um, have in mind is marriage or long-term commitment. You know, you have to kind of get, find out on the first date, are you here to play? Are you here to stay? What's going mm-hmm. on? And mm-hmm. then we were in a situation where we dated for, I would say a little bit over a year, but we had to understand, we were not title boyfriend, girlfriend to the public. If some, we were out, people would ask because we would introduce each other as such. Cause I'm not about to sit here and explain what this is when I know it. <laughs> you know, it's easier to just be like, this is my boyfriend, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and he would say girlfriend and nobody's looking crazy. Like I ain't your girlfriend, you know? So we had an understanding, but it came back to us both not wanting to waste each other's time. Us both being very committed and, and true to what we want. It and knowing, okay, we're going to take our time in this. We are monogamous. We're committed. We're exclusive. We're going to go through all these steps. And there really wasn't a lot of, um, at times, but for the most part, there wasn't a lot of anxiousness around the fact of, oh, I just want to get to that title, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, just to have it. When I haven't done the work on the front end so that when that situation comes to that place, we are both comfortable and want to, the relationship gridlock should come a little bit later on because we took our time, you know, on the front end. And I think that's something a lot of people don't do because when I... Um, with close friends, some I would tell, and I would get some, a lot of different feedback. Like, you know, are you okay with that? Ah, you, y'all should be, y'all should have a label by now. Why y'all haven't done this? Why y'all, and I'm like, girl, like we, I am okay with this. I am sound (laughs) enough in this to know that, um, you know, this is fine, but I could see their perspective and me in the beginning, even being hesitant based on previous relationships where, you know, you have, I've been in situations where men kind of strung me along, like, yeah, you know, let's just see what happens. And I know that that's cold for, we ain't never going to see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the difference in knowing that if somebody is saying the difference of we're going to see what happens. And this person saying, no, we're not going to see what happened. We are committed to what we're doing right now. And we're going to see what happens in a year if we're going to take this to the next level, but we are still focused on one another. So Mm -hmm. I think that that definitely aids in that. So this is another thing that came to mind. Um, And I believe I saw this from, was it online or somewhere? But in my research, y'all know when I researched these topics, I wanted to talk about it. It says that gridlock is a sign that each partner has dreams. And this kind of goes back to the nursing thing I talked about earlier. Gridlock is a sign that each partner has dreams that the other hasn't accepted, doesn't respect, or isn't aware of, haven't communicated. Some dreams are practical, like obtaining a certain amount of savings, while others are profound, like owning a beach house in Hawaii. The profound dreams often remain hidden beneath the practical ones. Makes sense. You know, you want to say, I want a beach house. I might keep that kind of under the radar. But for example, Kurt wants to make a seven-figure income. But why is that important to him? Underneath his dream is a deep need for financial security. When couples are in gridlock, it is only by uncovering the hidden hidden dreams and symbolic meanings that they can get out of that space. So what I wanted to say is, how do couples get, you know, I would say their dreams or their goals or their desires, insert whatever sad thing, how do they get that far off kilter and unaligned to land in that space where it's like, Kurt is focused on financial security and Katie is over here focused on getting a beach house, but she ain't got no money. You know, (laughs) how does that happen? Yeah, Yeah. I think it. I think it happens what I was saying earlier, when you first come in and you're not really talking about important things. Mm. And so your relationship is then based thereafter just on living and chilling and watching Netflix or whatever else. 
and not really having any deep conversation, you know. And then as Diamond was saying earlier, how you come into the relationship, if it's a long-term relationship, may not be where you are in two years. So recheck in with each other. Yeah. You know, hey, this is what I'm planning for, you know, retirement, or this is how many kids I'm planning, or this is what I'm thinking. What about you? And yeah. so we just kind of assume, oh, you want five kids or, or whatever, or one, and but never I, really ask. You better not assume I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> never five. Look, not, well, not five anymore. No, everybody <laughs> wants one, one or maybe two now. Mm-hmm. So, but not checking in on each other, kind of having these thoughts in their head, assuming that their partner, oh, they know I want kids. How many do you want? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they know I, you know, want to work in whatever career. Well, do they know how you plan to get there? Do you need to go back to nursing school? Do they know the path? Oh, no, they probably don't know that because you're thinking all these things in your head and not sharing them with your partner. sharing them. I literally had somebody on the show recently that he's a relationship coach and said he sees people all the time that have been together for like a year and they come in and he asks a question and one person says, I want kids. And the other person says, I don't want kids. And he's like, y'all, so y'all never talked about this before now. And they're like, no. And that blew my mind. That wow. in that seat. But you're right. We go on these even first 10 dates and we talking about the latest, what, what the new movie on Netflix is, <laughs> uh, what kind of pets do you have? What kind of trips do you have planned? And we haven't went one inch below the surface because I think it's scary for people to really have to yeah. talk about their yes. trips. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't want to lose that person on the front end. Uh, you might say something that you feel like if you say it and they don't agree or they belittle it or they're like, that's crazy. Then you just fall back to surface level. You're like, well, I'm not telling them anything else. So that doesn't feel good. Yeah. When you really should be like, oh, he thinks that's crazy that I want to be child's Then This probably might not be my person, especially on the first day. Mm-hmm. The way my mind works, that's not crazy to me. Yes. But you think it is. So like you gave me an idea. I'm over. You talk about relationship check-ins. I talk about that a lot, that people need to check in more often and figure out is that weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, but don't worry, y'all, I'm gonna make a relationship check-in list and I'm gonna sell it. It's coming soon. Cause I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all don't need this list to really break it down because it's, it's funny. I give this, this comparison, but I guess because I'm so organized, type A, Virgo, the way I pray, God probably be listening to me like really shiny, you gonna categorize these prayers. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't wanna forget nothing. You know, so. <laughs> absolutely with those categories i'm like okay guys i'm gonna talk about my finances talk about work okay i'm done with that now let's go over here let's talk about um you know i'm trying to get in shape help me with this diet you know so look, <laughs> look you got holistic prayers yeah. right <laughs> mind body and soul i have to you got to break it down and that's what more people i think have to do is break it down so they don't mm-hmm. wind up on two separate islands so you're not on the hawaii island and you're not mm-hmm. on, on road mm-hmm. island which <laughs> <laughs> not on the same page so you, you really have to work at that a communication is the key because when I think back to some of the couples who inspired me to do this episode it was a huge lack of communication going on yeah there. we're not talking so let's go to this I know the listeners are like you know if I'm I got it we got to communicate we got to talk in the beginning we got to check in okay what do I do to get out of this so I want to ask there are ways to break out of relationship gridlock and as Miriam said earlier 
Um, I want you all to know that if you are there, you can get out if you so choose to. And it may happen again, but hopefully it won't. So we're going to give you some tools and dive in to give you some very clear instructions or just ideas um, to help you if you're in this space. So I'm going to bring these things up, ladies, and I want to kind of speak to what comes to mind. And the first thing I want to bring up, because I've heard you both say it throughout this episode, is fight fair. What does that really mean? Because you hear it all the time. And some people may think fight fair mean uh, he, he cursed at me and cursed back. You know, so, <laughs> so what does fight fair really mean? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. You give some, I'm about to give some back. No, for real. But um, <laughs> my mama told me to defend myself. That's how I was raised. I'm going to defend myself, okay? Um, you bite me, I'm going to bite you back. No. <laughs> I definitely think fighting fair. So I'm just going to kind of run through actually like the fair fighting rules, some of them, just kind of like one, having an understanding that what are we fighting about? Because you may be fighting about the house in Hawaii and I'm fighting about financial stability. And so just having the understanding and sitting down and saying, are we even fighting about the same thing? Because once we start to fight and start talking about things, that's going to peel back layers of what's really happening if we're not on the same page. So I'm definitely starting with do we both even know what we're disagreeing about? Do we even know what we're fighting about? So we can't have a fair fight because it's not going to be fair if I'm talking about, you know, you cheating on me and then I start digging in how there's like the love language or disconnect or whatever that may be. So understanding what you're fighting about, that's fair. Learning not to like degrade each other. Like don't go in that fight calling each other y'all know them names that they be calling each other so just not trying to attack your partner not putting each other down because that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning like one trying to just be so proud and be you know the right one and not the wrong one so I'm gonna figure out how I can put you down and just being able to I think Fighting fear also comes with kind of just that communication and empathize and being able to say, even though I may not truly kind of grasp what's happening or understand, I'm going to empathize with you. I don't have to necessarily, you know, I know Shane, you like that agree to disagree thing. We're going to be doing that all day, but definitely having the awareness to say, I don't know what that means, but I'm willing to understand. I'm willing to empathize. I think that goes a long way with fighting fair. And there, there's so many other things um, that goes with fighting fair, but those are my, my top three, just definitely understanding what you're fighting about. So you can kind of move out of this relationship gridlock, not degrading each other and just having that, that space of empathy for sure. Absolutely. Marion, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. All of that. It's a respectful way a healthy way to have conflict basically. And so coming in um, with knowing that both of you have different opinions, different values, your what you have going on at this moment are not on the same page. So how can we move to get to that page? We have to set like Diamond was talking about these ground rules around, here's what we're not gonna do in this conversation because that makes me feel this way. Here's what we're not gonna do because it makes you feel that way. Let's keep that out of here for this moment. Let's take the time to focus on each other and really talk through what the issue is. So respectful conflict. Yeah. And that's uh, rules of engagement. I've heard somebody say that. And what their rules of engagement are, how we handle conversations. You know, 
um, Will Smith, a uh, great example, he said that him and Jada on one episode, <laughs> uh, he was like, uh, no cursing allowed. I'm like, well, well, Will, you was at the Oscars. Let me shut up. You- <laughs> he was. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's real, though, because I'll share the uh, transparent moment in our relationship. We use curse words in just everyday conversation, but if we are arguing, my partner, I do not like if um, she uses curse words toward me, like yeah. like at me. Yeah. Now, if we are just talking and you're cussing, that's not at me. But when you're saying it to me, then it's a problem. So it's it's not respectful, and we're gonna have to end this conversation till we can come back and not, you know, be on ten. Exactly. Because so, because yeah. curse words take it up a notch. You know, if you say <laughs> it, if we that's are fight words. It's, it's a whole different effect. It's a different effect with curse words. Yeah, you mm-hmm. try to take it up a notch. I could deal if we are going to maybe a spirited conversation. <laughs> yes. If you drop a curse word, it is next level. <laughs> it's hard to come back. So mm-hmm. I agree. I think you have to come up with your partner. And some things I think to some people may sound silly, but they are so necessary. And it's just like in, in the world that we live in, there are just new things that you have to put in place. So I think mm-hmm. that uh, rules of engagement for what conversations need to look like what you know intense conversations need to look like how you know certain times people know like you know don't as soon as I walk through the door from work don't hit me with a uh with a hard with a one two give me a yeah. second you know I have a rule with people like don't say like can I talk to you about something don't that activates my anxiety just start talking to me even if you would say like you got a minute that's cool like to see if I'm about to walk out the door I got a minute or you can probably look at me and see do what do I look like I'm about to leave like so if I stand here I'm in my pajamas I'm not about to go nowhere you can just come in here and you can start talking to me so I think it's important to have those rules of engagement and something you touched on this about uh, avoiding blame or criticism or showing a contempt for your partner um and I think assuming the best of your partner and not the worst and I want to ask you all about this because I've heard several uh, counselors, therapists speak to the the power of curiosity. That if your partner does something, to not immediately say, you know, if if you left the toilet seat up, like, ooh, I know he did that to piss me off, cause he knew, you know, or if he, you know, ate my last wing, I know he, you know, you assume that whatever happened, you did that, cause you were trying to hurt me today, like they woke mm-hmm. up to hurt you today, and you mm-hmm. know that's not it. So what can we do to help people to try to come to a place of like, I wonder why he or she did that. I mean. <laughs> Let me ask them in the most nice way possible why they did that. But from a place, how can we help people work on not assuming the worst and assuming the best when it comes to their partner? Yeah, I, I think that comes with just kind of your thinking pattern because assumptions jump into conclusions are negative thinking patterns anyways. Hmm. So finding yourself being able to say, how can I work through not jumping to conclusions? How can I work through not having these assumptions? Because Nine times out of 10, if you know your partner, you know that person is not being spiteful or trying to harm you. We have no reason to jump to conclusions or have these assumptions. And I'm going to always go back to self-reflection. Like you got to check yourself and be able to ask yourself, like, why am I assuming this? Why in the world would I think that they're being spiteful? Um, And what is it about me? Mm. Because sometimes it's going to be something internal that's causing you to assume this or jump to conclusions. And so I think it's definitely a huge bonus that you, you kind of 
like destruct those negative thinking patterns because they're they're going to bring you into a cycle constantly so having a moment to kind of say how can I reconstruct my thoughts into something more healthy when it or healthier when it comes to like that assumption or that jump into conclusions I really like that changing that thinking pattern and it leads me to ask this they say you should state your feelings as neutrally as possible and transform any complaint I don't know about that but any complaint (laughs) about your partner into a positive need. And so a lot of times you hear people say, it's more about I statements versus you statements, you know? So explain that that thinking that is always put out there, the I versus the you and the power of it. Mm-hmm. it the I versus you is very important because it does what Diamond was just kind of talking about. It makes you have to reflect. And so when you're sharing, I feel this way, or I assume this, or I did that, as soon as you start off with you, then the person puts up a wall and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm not even listening. They check out. They don't hear anything else you've said because they put that defense mechanism up. And mm-hmm. so you've lost them for the rest of the conversation Ooh. if you are always, and it doesn't matter what the behind the you comes because it's in an aggressive stance or it's in conflict, in the middle of conflict. And so that's why you start assuming the worst. Um, I think the best way to get around or not even get around to help in that is to always be treating each other um, with care, handle each other with care when you're not in the good times. So recognizing the good times. So when the bad times come, you can say, oh yeah, this is the person I want to be with. This person loves me. I'm not tripping over this toilet seat. You know, I'm going to remind you to put that toilet seat down next time, please. Yeah. But I'm not going to trip over it because it can't be that they're trying to do something to me because I'm reminded of all the the greatness that we have together and that we care for each other. And the it sounds like it's like weighing out those pros and cons. Like, you know, sometimes we are always looking at all of the cons when it's really two of them and we have all of these pros. That's what it sounds like you're saying, Mario, for sure. Absolutely. And I think leading with kindness, I think more, a lot of people take that for granted, just being nice and kind to one another. And I think if you lead with that and something I've been reminded of in partnership in moments where I was not leading with that curiosity or I was assuming the worst, um, I've had a partner come back to tell me like, okay, if you stop for a moment to think about who I really am, who Mm -hmm. I consistently show up as, and then think about this one situation. Do you think I intentionally did that to hurt you? Mm-hmm. And it was like an aha moment. Like, you're right. Like you consistently show that you care. And even in this moment, if you made a mistake, it still is not the totality of who you are. So I can't come in with this holistic thinking that 90% of the time, this person is kind and wonderful to me. And they did this one thing and it's overshadowing everything. I think you have to be able to sit in that seat to look at both sides. But if you find that you're having to go to that place more often or the scales are not as balanced. When you try to think about who do you consistently treat me as, if yeah. that's not looking or sounding good, then you do have some evaluating to do to see what's, yeah. what's really going on here. So I think that's important to keep in the forefront. What does that person consistently do? You know, and I'm not saying, let me be clear y'all, because the people try to take this out of context. I'm not saying they can, if they cheated, they don't consistently cheat, but then they cheat, but I just cheated one time. <laughs> not what I'm talking about so <laughs> right not the same not the uh-huh. same don't put it in that bucket you know we some of that toilet seat up or you know things of that nature so it's a great mm-hmm. perspective to have now this is something that was new to me and I want to ask you all because I have never really heard this it said practice have, well I'm not gonna say I hadn't really heard this let me say it and then I'll share other thoughts 
practice having a recovery conversation after an argument. What does that really mean? A recovery conversation after an argument? Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. <laughs> For me, it definitely means um, just decompressing, like going back. First of all, take a moment to step away from it, like having a moment to calm down, decompress, and then then going back to say, you know, what do we hear each other say? What was happening in this, like this moment of disagreement? What is happening in this relationship gridlock? And so being able to go back and actually have open eyes, right? Assessing and going back to, you know, what did we do wrong? What did we do right? How can we come together? after we've kind of decompressed and had that, ah, you know, that woo-saw moment um, initially. And I think that's just recovery. Recovery also, when you think about it, it's like you're resting. You are, you know, taking some time to go through kind of like this detox or whatever this may look like when it comes to like that relationship gridlock or that disagreement or whatever happens, being able to go back and say, how am I being healthy? How are we being healthy together in this process and looking at it as a whole after we've gone through all of these steps or all of these disagreements or all of these changes, whatever it may look like, how are we now being healthy? How are we being able to come back to it with an open mind and open perspective for each other to understand? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a future-oriented approach. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell my clients to say, for the recovery, to say how we would prefer to show up next time in this situation, because it will be a next time and it will be the same situation, but how do we prefer to show up? So I love that. How do we pre- prefer to show up in this same situation? And on that note, we'll be right back with the Living Single segment. This now brings us to the Living Single segment of the podcast. It's simply a segment where we want to send you good vibes, good energy, and give good advice on any questions that you may have about being single, dating, or relationships. Remember, nothing is off limits. So, welcome to the Living Single segment of the show, and let's get into it. And now this brings us to the Living Single segment of the show. And as I always say, you guys can send in your letters to our Instagram page or our website, and we can answer your question possibly on the next episode. So today's question, ladies, is very interesting. Um, The writer got right to the point, so I'll just get to it myself. She says, I am a 27-year-old woman with a part-time job and funds are limited. So I scammed my boyfriend. Yeah, she said that. I hacked his bank account and he has no clue I did it. I'm starting to feel guilty, but I'm not dumb enough to confess to him. What can I do to release this guilt? I don't know how much money you got. No, (laughs) 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 He wants to know what can I do to release this guilt? So therapist, what can she do? So um, the number one rule in most anything is to um, confess. Even if, even if you're trying to have a new life in Christ, you need to confess and then, and then you need to uh, apologize in a way that is, you know, appropriate. So you need to make sure that you are um, remorseful 
in scamming your your partner. Um, you need to make sure that you can understand and, and let them share their feelings about how they feel that you did that to them. And then um, what is your intent? Again, like we just talked about for the future, how are you going to change? How are you going to make sure? How are you going to make that um, your partner understand that you won't do this again in the future? Um, and so, yeah, I would say um, confess uh, and apologize and and your guilt will will subside, I'm sure. And be prepared to be single. <laughs> I don't know how strong their relationship is, but yeah, it, it may end. Look, and that's a part, that's a part of apologizing because you have to then be open to whatever the response is from the person because they can accept your apology. They can not accept your apology. They can ask for more time. They can end the relationship. So mm-hmm. gotta be prepared for all facets. What would you say, Diamond? Yes, I definitely agree with Mariam. Um, but also I need to take a step back because who you dating and if you're kind of struggling, why can't they help you out? Why can't you just ask? Like you, you are you embarrassed that you're struggling? And this is no shade to you because we're here to help you, but who are you with? This whole episode has been looking, you know, we talking about the foundation and who are we with and what does that look like? So we're not getting to this relationship gridlock. Who you dating that you can't ask them to help you out, that you got to go scam them? Because honestly, like you don't need to be with that person and a person sure don't need to be with you. And they probably, y'all don't know who each other really are. So I would say y'all need to look at (laughs) how y'all entered the relationship. So you're not going back to scam others because you should be able to ask your partner for something that you need. And if your partner is really down for you, then they would be able to help you, even if it's not financially help you with resources or whatever that may look like. So you can get your money up. Um, but yeah, you, you gonna carry that unless you choose to walk around and carry that guilt forever. Yeah. You just gonna be tossing and turning, but you definitely need to be honest and you need to say, I did this and understand like they may say it's going to take a while to trust you and you have to be okay with the consequences because you out here scamming people and you have to understand that that's going to diminish the trust in the relationship if they choose to stay. And that's going to diminish your character if they choose to let you go for the next relationship that you enter. And now if y'all both scamming, cause I know how people out here doing, <laughs> y'all both need to sit down somewhere. So <laughs> you know, 27, these kids be out of control sometimes. So I hope y'all both not don't go to jail, sis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so listen to what they said. It's all we got. And, and stop stealing, girls. Stop. <laughs> Ask for some money next time. Go get a, a payday loan. You got a job? Go do something. Yes. Financial open 24 hours. You better figure it out. <laughs> next time you're gonna be writing in a letter from from uh <laughs> From the, the jail cell. From the jail cell. Quit playing. So if y'all want to let her answer, y'all know where to send it. And on that note, we'll be right back with the resolution. All right, so now this brings us to the resolution segment of the show. And so ladies, we're gonna do a quick round table discussion with your final thoughts. And so I pose the question, 
what would you say the resolution is for couples to acknowledge that they, if they are in a relationship gridlock, they can move forward if they truly want to? Um, I definitely think it's all about being honest and having that awareness of when we feel stuck. Mm-hmm. And I think it is hard sometimes for us to admit that maybe we do need to let each other go if we can't move forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think that goes into the, the internal work with yourself. Like, why do you feel like you need to hold on to this person when you know it's not healthy and you're stuck in this place? Um, what are you afraid of letting go? Because sometimes when we let go of a relationship, when we're in this, this, this area or this space, we're letting go parts of ourselves. We're letting go time that's been invested. We're letting go safety, security, whatever that may look like. And so I think it's really just going back to a place of being honest and transparency around, you know, what feels best for both of us. And and can we both get to, even if it's some work, can we both agree that it's going to take some time? It's going to be a process and we're willing to move forward. And if not, we're okay with saying goodbye. Deuces. The gift of goodbye. (laughs) And what would you say, Mariam? Um, I would say in all relationships, um, assessing what your commitment level is. And so um, whether it's a new relationship, a, a long-term relationship, mid-level relationship, um, yeah, really assessing what are you, what are you committed to. And so your de- definition of commitment, sharing that with each other. Because again, it may look different if you've never even talked about it. One partner may say, I'm, I'm committed. And you're like, not, not by my definition, you're not committed. And so really knowing what your commitment level is, talking to each other about it. And if you are both committed 100% and that definition looks the same, then you can do the work to work through it and get back to a healthy state. Now that is, I I say everybody can do that in most all relationships, of course, outside of relationships where it is unhealthy. And so if there is physical, verbal, emotional abuse, you know, going on, then those, that's a different type of relationship. But if it's truly just, you are at a standstill, you're having conflict, you're not um, communicating, you know, things aren't Um, working out for you, then if your commitment is to this relationship is where I want to be and we both want to be here, then we work it out. We go see a mental health professional. We learn the tools. We start treating each other and handling each other with care and you'll be all right. You'll see another 10 years and it, it may pop back up again because if you're not assessing and checking in on each other, then it may absolutely pop back up. But Commitment, yeah, knowing how committed you are and then following through. I love commitment, following through. And if the gift of goodbye has to be activated, it has to be activated. So (laughs) on that note, give yourselves a round of applause, you ladies. (laughs) Given such valuable insight, your opinions are always valued and appreciated on this show. So I want you now to tell the listeners where they can find you, whether it be website, social media, whatever that may be, let them know where they can locate you. Yeah, um, so I am Diamond Williams. You can find me at the Therapy Gym, the Gym Jock Podcast, or Diamond Nicole. You can also find me. I am a licensed professional counselor in the Whitebridge area, um, workscounselingcenter.com. If you are interested in seeing a mental health professional, you can go to that website. Sounds good. And where can they find you, Mariam? 
They can find me. Again, my name is Mariam Abdullah, and I am the CEO and founder of I Am Well Consulting. So they can find me in many spaces under that. So IamWellConsulting.com, where if you're looking for um, therapy, individual couples or families, you can reach out. If you're looking for consulting work, clinical training, um, education around mental health, wellness, um, IamWell.com, but then also on social media platforms where I try to share resources and information and tips um, at IamWell at um, Instagram and Facebook. And so, yeah, any of those, reach out if you have questions, um, want to leave comments or share anything or looking for services. Would love to connect with you. Awesome. Awesome. So you all know where to find those ladies. You all better use these resources because I know you need them. And it's nothing like being able to reach out to somebody with a question and get an answer back. So again, thank you all so much for coming on today's show. And on that note, we'll be right back with the Montana Minute. And now this brings us to the Montana Minute. The first thing, Relationship gridlock happens to everyone. So it's all about understanding that once you reach this place, you and your partner must determine how you want to move forward. The next thing, it is imperative that you and your partner have high levels of communication to understand how you got here in the first place. And if this is a situation that can be worked through, what that journey will look like. And the last thing, if you want to move forward, be double sure that that is what your partner wants too. This is a scenario that will only work if both parties are on board. So make sure you are not waiting in the water alone. So be sure that you share this episode with a friend and leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. And now I ask to be single or not to be. That is the final question. Signing off, yours truly, Shanna Montana. <laughs>